0: The following sermon was delivered by senior pastor, Reverend Dr. Scott Black Johnston in the sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday in person or on live stream. For details, go to FAPC.org. And now here's Reverend Dr. Scott Black Johnston. So my friends, let's pull up a desk, open our hearts. Incline our ears and listen for God's word. As it echoes to us from the book of Job, chapter 12, beginning with the seventh verse. Ask the animals, and they will teach you. The birds of the air, and they will tell you. Ask the plants of the earth, and they will teach you. And the fish of the sea will declare to you, Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? It is his hand that is the life of every living, every living thing and the breath of every human being. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. The book of Job, scholars tell us, is wisdom literature. Parts of the Bible, like Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, and the book of Job are especially interested in the question, what does it mean to be wise? What does it mean to to try and understand the world and yourself and your relationships in a deeper way. What does it mean to seek after the heart and mind of God? Do you remember Solomon, the king who famously asked God for wisdom? In the first book of Kings, scripture describes Solomon in this way. Listen to this. God gave Solomon very great wisdom, discernment, and breadth of understanding as vast as the sand on the seashore. Solomon composed 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He would speak of trees, from the cedar that is in the Lebanon to the hyssop that grows in the wall. He would speak of animals and birds, and reptiles and fish, people came from all the nations to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Wisdom literature looks to the natural world from the cedar trees in Lebanon to the hyssop growing in your garden wall for guidance, for sacred patterns that make for a happy, healthy, and righteous life. And Job does this. In today's text, Job is frustrated. He shakes his finger at his friends. You do not understand my situation, Job complains, and you do not understand the ways of God. If you wanna know how things work, says Job, talk to the animals, talk to the plants. Talk to the plants, Now that sounds a tad silly, and maybe even a little loopy. Talk to plants? Chat with yonder maple? Strike up a conversation with your salad? Humans may share, this is true, 50% of our genes with a string bean, but talk to it? (laughs) How could that be the path to wisdom? Obviously, trees do not have ears or mouths or brains. J.R.R. Tolkien and the Ents or Veggie tails aside, plants cannot communicate, right? Plants are food. Plants are building materials. You all sit in this sanctuary atop the carved, sanded, varnished, deceased trunks of plants. Plants are a valuable and renewable resource. And yes, we know, people keep telling us this, plants are also critically important to our environment. Plants are the lungs of this planet. They are a carbon sink. We exhale carbon dioxide. pump carbon out of our furnaces and smokestacks and exhaust pipes and plants soak it up. They soak up a lot of it, almost 30% of that carbon. They sequester it in their tissue. If it weren't for the 3 trillion trees on this planet, 442 trees for every human being, we would be dead. Life as we know it could not exist without plants. Lots and lots of plants. Plants give us oxygen to breathe. They pull carbon from the air. They provide grains and fruit for our tables, beauty and shade for our living. And they can even offer us perspective. Did you know that there is a bristlecone pine named Methuselah in the White Mountains of California that is over 4,800 years old. It germinated from a seed, scientists say, over 2,800 years before Christ was born. It is the oldest living thing on the planet. Imagine what Methuselah has witnessed. But, but there I go again, anthropomorphizing a tree as if it might have something to say, some news to report, some wisdom to whisper in the white mountain winds. Plants don't talk, chat with a string bean. Come on, <laughs> that's silly. Robin Wall Kimmerer begs to differ. Dr. Kimmerer is an indigenous woman, a member of the Potawatomi nation, a distinguished professor of environmental biology, and the author of my favorite book from this past summer, Braiding Sweetgrass, Indigenous Wisdom, Scientific Knowledge and the Teachings of Plants. In explaining the wisdom that plants have to offer, Dr. Kimmerer writes, in the Western tradition, there is a recognized hierarchy of beings with, of course, the human being on top, the pinnacle of evolution, the darling of all creation. And plants are at the bottom. But in native ways of knowing, human beings are often referred to as the younger brothers of creation. We say, says Kimmerer, that humans have the least experience with how to live and thus the most to learn. We must look to our teachers among the other species for guidance. Their wisdom is apparent in the way that they live. Plants teach us by example. They've been on the earth far longer than we have been and they've had time to figure things out. Ask the plants, says Job, and they will teach you. What will they teach? What have they figured out? Well, it turns out lots of stuff. On this World Communion Sunday, as we celebrate the connections between different parts of the human family, And God who calls us all to this table, I would like to focus on one sprout of plant centric wisdom. You've heard it before. It goes like this. Nature is an intricate web of supportive relationships. If you talk to plants, if you seek the counsel of plants, they will teach you that different botanical species rely on each other, assist each other, and basically work together for the good of all. So, a true story. When colonists first came to the shores of Massachusetts, and encountered indigenous villages along the coast, they described the agriculture that they found in these communities as a hodgepodge. In many spots throughout the village, there were small plots where a corn stalk, a bean vine, and a pumpkin or squash were were planted together. Instead of straight garden rows for each species, the pilgrims saw this chaotic sprawl, and they concluded that their indigenous neighbors were savages who had not yet figured out how to farm. What the pilgrims did not realize is that they were looking at the genius of indigenous agriculture, an approach to cultivation known as the Three Sisters. And you can see a depiction of those three sisters on the front of your bulletin today. Each of the sisters is a plant. The oldest sister is the corn seed. The corn seed grows the fastest, a straight, strong and tall stalk, reaching for the sun, sturdy, but with relatively shallow roots. The bean grows next. A bean shoot spirals as it grows It seeks support, it wants to climb. Soon, the bean curls around its older sister, finding stalwart support there. Corn provides scaffolding for the bean, allowing its delicate tendrils to climb. And in this way, the leaves, the blossoms, and eventually the beans themselves will not rest on the ground, where they are more vulnerable to insects and rot. Corn allows the beans to flourish. The beans reciprocate. Beans fix nitrogen in the soil. Without nitrogen, corn would never grow tall and yield ripe ears. And then finally, along comes corn and beans' baby sister, squash. Squash wanders all over the ground. Youngest sisters out there, This isn't, you know, personal. (laughs) Squash enjoys the nitrogen provided by bean and puts out big leaves that shade the soil, making the ground moist for all three plants. Squash, if you've ever touched a squash leaf or a squash vine, you'll know they're sort of prickly. And that prickliness makes them resistant to many of the insects that come looking to feast on corn and bean. In planting the three sisters together in pods instead of long rows, a monoculture, the crops are a natural deterrent to insect attacks. And finally, Dr. Kimmerer points this out, not only do the three sisters support each other in remarkable ways, but together, They provide a perfect meal for human beings. Corn has carbs, starch. Bean gives protein. And squash, your mom was always telling you, eat those orange vegetables, right? It's got those essential vitamins and minerals that human beings need. Talk to the plants, says Job. Talk to the plants and you will learn that they they rely on each other, that they work together with each other, that they, they lend each other strength, and together they offer up a beautiful gift, physical nourishment and deep wisdom for humankind. In a poem entitled, When I Am Among the Trees, Mary Oliver writes, When I'm among the trees especially the willows and the honey locust, equally the beech, the oak, and the pines. They give off such hints of gladness. I would almost say that they save me, and daily. Talk to the plants, says Job. Do you know the name John Muir? Muir was a Scottish Presbyterian immigrant to this country, a farmer, biologist, zoologist, naturalist, and an early voice for the preservation of wilderness areas in this country, including Yosemite National Park and Sequoia National Park. Muir is often called the patron saint of environmentalism in America. In 1892, he co-founded an organization you may have heard of, the Sierra Club. In 1869, on his first trip into the Sierra Nevada Mountains, Muir wrote the following in his journal. No Sierra landscape that I've seen holds anything truly dead or dull or any trace of what in manufactories is called rubbish or waste. Everything is perfectly clean and and pure and, and full of divine lessons. This quick, inevitable interest attaching to everything seems marvelous until the hand of God becomes visible. Then it seems reasonable that what interests God may, well, interest us. When we try to pick out anything by itself. We find it hitched to everything else in the universe. One fancies a heart like our own must be beating in every crystal, in every cell. And we feel like stopping to speak to the plants and animals as friendly fellow mountaineers. Talk to the plants, says John Muir. Talk to the plants, says Mary Oliver. Talk to the plants, says Robin Wall Kimmerer. Talk to the plants, says the good book. Talk to them. Learn how this is hitched to that in the natural world. Corn to beans, beans to squash, plants to people, people to God. In our efforts to care for creation, to reverse the terrible tide of climate change and to seek more sustainable ways of living, perhaps we can pay attention to wisdom that lies close at hand. Maybe we ought to have a chat with a string bean. What it has to say may not be nearly so silly as we imagine. Somebody asked me recently like, what my favorite hymn was, and I said anything by Isaac Watts. And this is one of them, and that last line is so beautiful. Think about that. All that borrows life from thee is ever in thy care, and everywhere that we can be, thou, oh God, art present there. My friends, the grace of Christ attend you. The love of God surround you. The comfort of the Holy Spirit keep you, that you may live in faith, abound in hope, and grow in love toward each other and toward all God's creation. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit fapc.org give. Thank you and blessings to you on this day.